0: yeah uh. it's I when you feel me? Teach you how to earn your money, earn your money I know you
1: can. You
0: Welcome Wealth Builders to Cafe Moolah, Your spot for wealth building information, wisdom and a pep talk. This is 100 Wealth Building Secrets with James Marshall. Podcast episode number eight. Never, ever, ever spend your last dollar. And I'm your host, James Marshall. I'm a registered investment advisor and president of Marshall Wealth Management. We are a registered investment advisory firm registered in Texas and Kentucky. And for over 30 years, I've been educating, advising, and managing wealth for diverse families all over the country. But today, I'm going to share my knowledge with you. And it just cost you an open mind. These are a series of podcasts based on my book, 100 Wealth Building Secrets. And if you don't have a copy, you need to get a copy. And I'll let you know how to get one at the end of the show. I'll be talking about different concepts of wealth building, some financial, some emotional, some physical, and some spiritual. But the bottom line is you'll leave with some knowledge, and knowledge is wealth. Listening to the podcast series will advance your thinking about money and wealth. Show you how to get it, how to protect it, and how to pass it on to the next generation. So if you want to grow, protect, pass on your finances, you need to be listening and listening often. So whether you're walking, running, exercising, or having your choice of beverages, clear your mind, purify your thoughts, and let's have at it. Now today, instead of doing the usual, which is the financial education A to Z, today I'm going to leave with you a segment of a speech I gave to the Beta Gamma Sigma business fraternity at Western Kentucky University. You know, it's truly an honor to be here talking to you today, and I'm humbled by the invitation. You know, after I sent the email to Sherry agreeing to speak, I was a little concerned about what I might say to this group of ambitious overachievers. And then when Sherry emailed me in bold type... and said she needed my topic, and she needed it right away. I was fully committed to my concerned state. I mean, I was really nervous at that point. What should I say today? Should I try to be witty? Should I drop some profound worldly knowledge on you? Well, after thinking about it, it really came down to one thing. I decided to tell you guys to run. Run like your life depended on it, because it does. you go into a world of business, a world I call Planet Rock. And it is fast, furious, and not always accommodating. So I would tell you to be sure to take care of your family, to have at your church and give back to the university, WKU or give to your community. But I need to tell you something else. The most important thing. Run. When I first started in the financial services business with Merrill Lynch back in 1988, man, I thought the hard work was over. I had uh, survived the hiring process. And I was in like Flynn. But you know what? Six months later, I was out of a job. I was not running fast enough. And when I arrived in the offices of New York Life in Washington, D.C., I was a new, highly motivated insurance salesman. You couldn't tell me anything because, you know, I came from the investment field. Insurance would be nothing. I thought to myself, "Okay, now I'm rolling. Until I realized that my salary was really a draw against my future commissions. And if I did not produce those commissions fast enough, I would be out the door. So you know what? I had to run, (laughs) go out into a city where I didn't know anyone, create relationships, turn those relationships into customers and those customers into clients and those clients and the advocates. Did I say I didn't know anyone? Well, just when I thought I had a handle on it and I was actually learning this insurance business and starting to make a pretty good living, life happened. And I had to move back to Louisville and start all over again with a new company. And when I started as a financial advisor with American Express, guess what? I had to run to keep my desk and my chair, then my cubicle and then my office. And when I got big enough to have my own American Express franchise, I had to run to keep my office condo. (sighs) Wow. And now that I own my own. Own registered investment advisory firm with offices in kentucky and texas i'm still running the difference is now my muscles are developed from all that running over the years and i know how to pace myself and rest when i need to and when i rest i rest in five-star resorts all over the world so take my advice every chance you get run it will pay off in the end good luck so as i said today's discussions about never, ever, ever spending your last dollar. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that's easier said than done. Well, the concept of spending your last dollar is a basic strategy, or I should say the concept of spending your, of not spending your last dollar is a basic strategy in financial planning. And it speaks to the need to maintain a proper level of cash reserves. But you know, it also speaks to discipline, the discipline of maintaining a budget. And if you've ever been in a situation where you don't have a dime left until payday or as some say more month than money well you can appreciate the concept of never spending your last dollar because it's not a good feeling this is not a good feeling to say the least as a matter of fact it's something you never want to visit again now some people get used to it and see it as just a way of life i would say that's not a good idea take that pain remember that pain let that pain burn your hand, so you never, ever find yourself in a situation again. Because it can be avoided, of course, with effort. If you do proper planning and have the proper amount of discipline, you can avoid this very horrible situation. Today, we're going to talk to a few people, kind of a group of people, and get their views this situation of cash flow and cash reserves. We want to know if they've ever spent their last dollars. How did they handle it? How did it feel? How did they avoid being in that situation? So hopefully you enjoyed this discussion with just a few random folk about the concept of never spending your last dollar. So we're sitting here at the Kingdom Builder Center. (laughs) This particular wealth building secret is called Never, Ever, Ever Spend Your Last Dollar. Now, I know what I meant by it when I said it, but I wonder what comes
1: to mind with you guys. For me, it means um, if you have a set of money, decide what you really need versus what you want and focus on the needs and forego the wants and...
0: Have some money left okay, over. Okay, just plain make sure the numbers add up.
1: Anybody else? For me, it means um, if my operating account, or however you want to say, is low... I don't touch my reserves. I don't touch my cash reserves. I leave it alone. Just because the money is there doesn't mean I need to, oh, well, I need to, I want to go on a trip, so I'm going to mm. go touch my cash reserves. Right. No, mm. I don't have the money. Right. Oh, knowing that
2: my last dollar is not in my cash reserves. Mm. Anyone else? I think it's a mindset. Mm. And so if you if you have the thought, I'm never going to spend my last dollar, that sets the tone, which really is just leveraging off of what the other two levels Ladies just said, and that is, got the money. Some should go to reserves, but only spend out of what you have as your expense or your operating account. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be a mindset to help you to be that, to be disciplined,
0: mm-hmm. to be disciplined. So stick, saying true to your budget, sounds yes. like what you're saying. As well.
2: Yes, yes. And, 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 and I know you advised us to create that budget, and once mm-hmm. you see it, see the numbers in black and white. The challenge will mm-hmm. be to say, okay, I see right. what it is I'm doing, and then sticking with that.
0: Mm-hmm. You have any thoughts on it? Um, it basically was the same thing that, that Kanika was saying, you know, when my mind said my last dollar is going to be my emergency savings. So just mm-hmm. keep that discipline. Don't don't touch that, don't go into that for anything. When you get in those type of situations, look at what what your money is doing, what you have, what you can do. You can move your money around. You might you might need to pay your mortgage later so you can move some of that money that was earmarked for your mortgage, take care of what you need to take right now, and then when it's time for your mortgage, you'll, you might get paid again in that time, or, or something might happen where you can move some more money there. So you just, just look at your money, and look at how it flows, and, and
2: don't be afraid to move it around, use it.
0: Now, of course, now this is a workshop about being proactive and about things that we can do now to avoid situations. So what can we do from a proactive point of view to avoid the situation?
2: I would say set up an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. And um, so if you know that on average maybe every now and then you might have a $100 deficit or so, or whatever that deficit might arise periodically to just have some extra money. It's not the reserves Mm -hmm. where we are agreeing not to touch it. And it's not your regular cash flow. Where you well, can't now let me interrupt you because oh. the cash
0: reserves, uh-huh. we can touch if yeah. we have an emergency. Oh, okay. But we just don't want to deplete them. Okay. I see. As a matter of fact, the cash reserve exists primarily for that type of a thing. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: I personally was making a distinction there. Okay. I was saying cash reserves are not to really be touched. Mm-hmm. And then I would set aside a smaller amount called my emergency funds. Okay. And then that would so for me that would be two different kinds of accounts. Okay. Mm -hmm. But and and
0: you can do that but it's really more of a semantics thing from that point of view because Cash reserves and emergency funds interchangeable. Okay, thank now, you. Now, you might say that uh, one month's worth of your cash reserve is your emergency money. Hmm. You might do it that way. But okay. whatever works for you to stick with the plan, that's what you want to okay. maintain. That is for sure. Okay. Now, another thing you might think about is we all have family, right? And mm-hmm. uh-huh. we don't always like them, <laughs> but they family. <laughs> I believe in the concept of family banks. Mm. So if it's you and your siblings or your cousins or nieces or nephews or uh, aunts and uncles, why can't you pool your money, each put in $500, and you open up a family bank, which can just be a regular savings account Mm -hmm. that you just earmark special account, and then that money is there to offset for someone who has an emergency that pops up. Now, as it gets more advanced, you can use that money for other things like buying property and expanding the multifamily wealth. But in the beginning, it can be a very good source to uh, be a stopgap for where you fall short in cash yeah. reserves.
1: What do you think that's about good. that? I love that. We I'm currently actually in a concept in the, uh, I grew up in the islands. In the islands, we have something that's called a box. Mm. And there's like 10 to 12 people in it, and each person every week they'll put a hundred dollars aside and every week somebody is designated to get that bulk money and we keep doing that like it'll last for about three months uh, or 12 if it's 12 people 12 weeks so three months and we keep doing that over and over and what you find is that sometimes you're able to when you get that bulk money you're able to move it over to cash reserve to try to or handle an emergency without maybe the a big bill needs to be paid next month. And I know from today, and it has to be paid March 1st, I won't have the $1,200. But I can ask for that week of March 1st, and I'll have the $1,200 from everybody putting together that pool. Listen, I
0: want to thank you guys for taking time to talk to me. You gave some really good insight, some good thoughts, good ideas. And I'm going to share this with my listeners. I'm sure that someone is going to be inspired. Thanks so much. Thank Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's a pretty good discussion, but just remember, it begins with knowing what it costs you to live each month, fixed and variable expenses. Once you know your cost of living, you subtract it from what you're actually making each month. Know your monthly income, know your monthly expenses. If you have something left over, this is called discretionary income, and that's a good thing. If you don't have anything left over, this is called a deficit, and that's a problem. And if it needs to be fixed, it needs to be fixed fast. So cut, cut, and cut some more. Be aggressive and be deliberate in your efforts at reducing your spending. That needs to be your number one concern. Find out where you can cut and cut it. You want to first start with the variable expenses and then move to the fixed expenses. And don't stop until you've actually cut 10% of your spending. And while you're in the process of fixing your cash flow problems, you might even want to delay some of the bills. So if you're trying to build up three months cash reserves, uh, maybe delay some bills that you can. And after you've gotten close to that to that point. You may even delay putting money into your 401k until you can get your cash reserves built up. The main thing is you want to avoid spending your last dollar. And that can only be accomplished by controlling your spending, building up some cash reserves, knowing where each dollar is going, knowing how much is coming in each and every month. Now, it's only one thing left to do. Go out and build wealth. See you next week. Yeah. uh uh-huh. It's saving one on one you feel me? <laughs> I teach you how to save Earn your money Earn your money